Good morning, church. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. And as you open your Bible, as you know, we live in a society where people are seeking their rights and lawsuits are running rampage and injustice sits upon the throne. All we ever hear about today are the complaints of those who demand their rights. Their rights have been violated, they deserve redress, and they deserve payment. We rarely hear of someone who actually voluntarily, humbly gave up their rights for someone less deserving. Well, I stand here today and tell you there was someone who did exactly that. There was indeed someone who literally gave up his legitimate rights for the benefit of people who did not deserve any. His name is Jesus Christ. This morning we will look at the most important Christological passage in the New Testament, where the humility of Christ and the surrender of his rights is wonderfully described. Will you please stand with me as we honor those words? I will begin reading at verse 5, Philippians chapter 2. Hear the word of God as recorded in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empty himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. May God and the Father and Messiah be blessed this day from our worship. You may be seated. Will you bow with me, please? Oh, Lord, we can say this morning what a Savior we do have. And, Lord, we are truly blessed this morning, and we are assured by Jesus Christ that he is truly, truly ours, and we are truly his. Oh, Lord, show us the radiance Christ's glory this morning. And, Lord, show us that grace that in his light we may see light, that the beauty, Lord, and his sufficient of Jesus Christ may melt our heart. Also, Lord, that it might bring us to repentance. That also, Lord, that his grace may help us to trust him uh, this morning. Lord, we ask you to 
Do this, we pray, as your spirit takes us and the word and work it, Lord, driving it deep down into our hearts by your power. Father, this very moment, we turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face. And Lord, the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So Lord, we ask you this morning to grant this, we pray. In Jesus' name. Now, we are going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And as I said earlier, these are some of the most Christological verses in all the New Testament. And why I say that, for the simple reason, they trace the preexistent of Jesus Christ. They also trace the incarnation of Jesus Christ as well as his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of God the Father Almighty this very moment, this morning. Christ truly is our example. And may the Spirit of God impress upon us these words in Philippians 2.5. Hear these words. Let this mind be in you, which also in Christ Jesus. Now, there are five things we must understand and employ in our lives if we want to have a servant attitude like Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we need to understand is being a servant means giving up our rights for others. And earlier we talked about individuals demanding their rights. But I want to bring to your attention this morning someone that gave up his rights. And he gave up his rights for the sake of others. If you really think about it, Jesus truly gave up his right to be like God. Jesus Christ truly gave up his right to be like God. Christ, 2,000 years ago, gave up the right to become a servant and live not like God the Father, but like one of us. Have this man among yourself, which is yours in Christ. Now, verse 5 represents what our attitude should be towards the incarnation of Jesus Christ. What attitude is in view here? It's the willing, humble, self-giving attitude of our Lord. Everything that God is, Jesus Christ is. All of Jesus Christ's qualities, all of the attributes of God, all of the characteristics of duty belong to Jesus Christ. And he was in possession of all of the attributes of God. He was as fully God as the Father is God. He was as fully God as the Holy Spirit is God. Think of the self-given attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God. He willingly left the glory and the joy of heaven to come to this earth. He willingly took on humanity. He willingly took the role of a servant. 
he willingly died even death on the cross. Now, I remind you, a cross was a place of shame and curse. But the Lord Jesus was willing to die even the death of the cross for us. He is the supreme example of what it means to have a humble, self-giving attitude. Now, as I said earlier, verse 5 shows us that Jesus giving up his right to live like God. Also, it shows us what our attitude should be towards the incarnation. A self-giving attitude. Now, look at verse 6 with me. Verse 6 says, being in the form of God, he did not grant equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, we're going to look at some verses that will give us a picture of Jesus Christ's attitude towards the incarnation. And that will begin with verse 6. Now, this is, he did not think this equality with God, which was by nature a thing to hold greedily, because it was his already. Jesus did not have to reach out and grasp it because he already possessed it. It was already his. If you recall, when the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested by Satan, Satan tried to get him to do certain things. But he took him up on a high mountain and he said, You see all this? If you do this for me, I will give you this. Now if you think about that, what he wanted to give to Jesus already belonged to Jesus. So you see that Jesus did not try to grasp being like the Father for the simple reason he was already God. Now the word made flesh becomes the visible bodily form of that Godhead. He had in effect equal rights with the Father and the Spirit. It says in these verses that he did not grasp those rights. He literally gave them up. He gave up the right to live with all of his majesty and glory with God. The Lord Jesus was not 50% God and 50% man. He is still God, 100% God and 100% man. The eternal Son of God took on true humanity forever. He fought the same temptation, the same struggle we fight because we are in the flesh. Yet because of his divine nature, he was able to overcome them and to live out his divine nature in the flesh. Since we have Jesus living in us, we too, although living in the flesh, can demonstrate that divine nature. We can live out the divine nature just living as Jesus was to enable to overcome the fleshly desire. Now notice the next thing it says in verse 6. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, Jesus did not hold on to his right as God. He was not only looking out for himself, but Jesus was looking out for you and I. He gave up his privilege 
in order to come as a man and suffer the death that we deserve on the cross. If you and I are ever going to be servants, we are going to have to do the same thing that Jesus did, and we are going to have to have the same attitude as Christ. We are going to have to give up our rights, give up our privilege for others. This is what Jesus did, and if we will follow him, this is exactly what you and I must do. Servanthood means giving up our rights for the sake of others. Also, another thing, being a servant means becoming less so others can become more. Servanthood means becoming less that others can become more. You remember John the Baptist saying, I must increase, I must decrease, and he must increase. That's the picture. We must become, we must be willing to become nothing that Jesus Christ may become everything. We must be willing to become nothing that Christ may become everything. Jesus giving up his right to look like God by becoming man. Let us look at uh, verse 7. The verse 7 says, But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, before his incarnation, Jesus was clothed with divine splendor. Now he takes on the human form of a Jewish male. Something extraordinary happened in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Though he was in the form of God, and he never, ever ceased to be God, so he veiled the trapping of his deity that when he came into the world, you could not see his deity anymore. Except on certain occasion, he veiled his glory. It wasn't not incarnation by subtraction, but incarnation by addition. Let me say that again. It was not incarnation by subtraction. It was incarnation by addition. In addition to being God, he became man. And a good illustration of that is, I do not have to wear my coat in order to wear my shirt. I put on my coat this morning as Jesus, and this is a poor example. Anytime that you're trying to explain deity or trying to explain something about Jesus, any human example is very, very poor. But I hope I don't insult you by using such an illustration. Now, Jesus veiled himself by putting on man. And as I put on my jacket this morning, it covers my shirt. But you can see some of the white in my shirt. And that's exactly what Jesus did putting on man. 
You can see some of his deity occasionally, but you could not see all of it in his true glory. That's a, a, a just a poor illustration, but I kind of hope you saw and can see what he did. He didn't really put aside his deity. He only veiled it in such a manner that it couldn't be seen, but it could be seen from time to time. So, for instance, there are some attributes that is unique to Jesus Christ, such as his omniscient, such as his omnipotent, and such as his omnipresent. He veiled those things, but yet they still was with him. That's the implication of Jesus veiling himself and putting on man. Now, a bond servant in that day never owned anything. All they had was, in a sense, dependence upon the one who owned them. How does Jesus measure up to a bond servant? Well, he did not own anything. He borrowed everything. For example, the manger that he lay in during his birth was borrowed. Perhaps the next day it was used as a feeding trough. He never owned a home. In fact, about it, he borrowed a boat to do most of his teaching in or as a mode of transportation to get from one side of Galilee to the other. He even borrowed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. He even borrowed the upper room to have the last supper with his disciples. He even was buried in a borrowed tomb. You see, a bond servant, a slave, doesn't own anything. Jesus is a person who has given up to write to look like God. Jesus could have had anything he wanted at any time. Yet, he absolutely had no privileges nor advantages. He lived as a slave. The kind of slave who washed the, the disciples' feet. A kind of slave who comes right down to live among his people. Another thing, being a servant means giving up your rights for others. If you really think about it, Jesus truly gave us his rights to act like God. Jesus Christ gave up his rights to act like God. Look at verse 7. Notice in verse 7, it says, the question is, in verse 7, what did Jesus empty himself of? And remember, we're looking at Jesus giving up his right to act like God. The eternal Son of God did not empty himself of his deity, but laid aside his outward glory and majesty and voluntarily temporarily gave up the independent use of his attributes when he became a man. Empty himself, literally poured himself out, made himself nothing. He emptied himself of significance. He did it 
for us. By taking on the form of a slave, the very nature of a servant, Christ came as a servant, not as the Lord, even though he was the Lord, he gave up himself for you and I. This is the heart of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It means to lose our life to save it. It means to be empty of self in order to be able to be filled with his passion for others. And that's why I made the statement that we must be willing to become nothing. That Jesus Christ may become everything. 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 He did not hold on to or grasp the glory and majesty associated with deity. He willingly gave them up when he left heaven to become man and live on this earth. Here's another illustration. And you remember what I said about illustration. They are very, very poor when we talking about our Lord and our God. Here's a king desired to identify and relate to his subjects. So he takes off his robe. He lay it aside. He take off his crown. He lay it aside also. He leave the throne. He puts on ordinary clothes. And he went out and lived as an ordinary man among his people. Now that's what I'm describing a king would do. Now, based upon that illustration, had the king stopped being king? No. Had he lost his power as a king? No. Had he given up any of his attributes as a king? No. He only temporarily gave up the outward display of his majesty and temporary refrain from using his power as king. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. He gave up temporary his power to act like God. Also, being a servant means becoming less so others can become more. That is, Jesus gave him his right to be treated like God. Look at verse 8 with me. Verse 8. Showing us how Jesus gave up his right to be treated like God. And it says this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on the cross. Being found in human form. Some of your Bibles might say appearance of man. Which means while he had both the essential nature of God and the essential nature of man, outwardly the Lord looked like an ordinary man. There was no halo or no glow on his skin. He ate and spoke and dressed as a man of that time and that culture. Of course, he was different in that he was perfect and he was sinless. However, 
as a man, he humbled himself, he served others. He went to the cross and he died in order to pay for our sins and redeem us. He had to become man in order to die. The eternal son took on true humanity. Now I remind you that this was not just any kind of execution. This was the cross. Death on a cross was the most inhumane way to treat a person. The victim was first tortured in various ways and then fastened to a cross with nails. Jesus not only came to die and be treated unlike God would be treated, but to die on the cross. Look at Jesus in the gospel as he stood before Pilate. And what did he do? Absolutely nothing. He gave up his right to a fair trial. Think about this contrast. Whereas Adam grasped equality with God and lost his life, Jesus had no need to grasp equality with God, but laid down his life. He laid it down for the likes of you and I. It is on the cross that the true nature of God is revealed. God is love. He came to give himself for us, to die for us, to die at our hands because we did it. Because that's what it took to redeem us, to buy us back from the condemnation we brought upon ourselves through our sin. Now I remind you this morning, there's nothing we would ever, there's nothing that Jesus Christ would ever ask you and I to do that will cost us as much as it costs Jesus Christ. Now genuine discipleship involves being obedient to Christ. We can never give up as much as he gave up. We can never humble ourselves as much as he humbled himself. We must, however, be willing to do whatever he asks, whenever he asks, wherever he asks us. So you see in verse 8, humble obedience out of love for the Father. Humble obedience out of love for us. Now, out of all that has been said, we saw what our attitude should be toward the incarnation. We saw what Jesus Christ's attitude should be, was at, in reference to the incarnation. Now let's look at what God's attitude was towards the incarnation. Look with me, verse 9 through 11, and we're going to close up here. This is God's attitude towards the incarnation. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, you might say, Brother Morris, as you look around the world today, I know it does not look good with all the shooting going on, not only here in America, but throughout the world. 
not only all the protesting that's going on, not all the people demanding their equal rights and lawlessness going on in the world where death and sin is ruling and reigning in our streets. But I stand here this morning by the power of God and the authority of Jesus Christ and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I say to you that one day every knee will bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. All intelligent beings ever created will bow the knee. All angels will bow. The holy angels bow now in worship to him as we are in service this morning. And the fallen angels will bow to him later in judgment. And all people will bow to him. Believers bow right this very moment in worship to him. That's what we're doing this very moment. Bowing to him in worship. And all believers one day will bow to him in later judgment. But we pray daily that they will come to their senses. Jesus Christ is our example. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you saw an illustration what Christian maturity looks like, what Jesus did for us in Philippians chapter 5, verses, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. When Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation, when he didn't stand up upon his dignity, he didn't stand up for his right. Yet we saw our Lord and our God give up his rights to live like God. We saw that our Lord and our God gave up his right to act like God. We saw this morning our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave up his rights to look like God. And we also saw our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ giving up his rights to be treated like God. And I ask you the question this morning in a rhetorical sense, why did Jesus give up all of those rights? I will tell you why. Open your Bibles to John chapter 1 verse 12. This is the reason why Jesus gave up all of those rights. And John chapter, chapter 12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's why he did that. That you and I can become children of God. Think of it. Jesus Christ gave up all of his right so that he could give you and me the right to be a child of God. Haven Baptist, of all the rights that are claimed in our society, that is one right that you had better claim. This, that is a right to be called a child of God. Let us pray. Lord, we have come this morning, and we have come to see a Savior to give up his rights. And Lord, you being our example, we are willing to do likewise. So this morning, Lord, we praise you that Jesus is God and man. We know without a doubt he had two natures, deity, and we understand that he exists in two 
nature. That he descended all the way down from heaven, down to earth, to suffer and to die on a cross and to be raised up to heaven. The highest height and secure a place for us where we all look forward to being one day. And Lord, this very moment, we thank you for our second Adam, who undo all the curse, who obeyed where the first Adam did not, who died to pay the penalty for our sin that we incurred to the Father. And right now, O oh Lord God, grant us to bend our knees here and confess him as our Lord. Grant us, Lord, the joy of life in union with him for the glory of his name. And all God people say, Amen.